Well, hello, and welcome to Bible study. Today, we will finish the summarization of the Old Testament. We started in the book of Genesis, and we spent seven weeks in the book of Genesis. And uh, today, we'll be the 12th week in the Old Testament. My goal and intent for this Bible study is that someone watching these videos would have a general overview of the Bible. And in that, there we spent a lot of time in the book of Genesis because it's fundamental, it's foundational. And the truth, the proclamation, the understanding that is established in the book of Genesis uh, it provides a support for everything else that follows all the way up to Jesus Christ and the incarnation of God all the way to the book of Revelation. And so today we're going to finish the summarization. And uh, this by no means is uh, detailed, but it is an overview. Many of you watching this probably have, uh, some, many of you probably could teach this. And, uh, and I appreciate you watching. I hope I'm adding some value to you. But those of you that may see this that don't have, have not read your Bible, if you watch these videos, it'll give you a big picture of the, the, the big moves that the Scripture shows us, intent, plan, purpose of God. Last week, we covered all the kings after David. And, uh, yeah, all of them both the kings in in Israel the kingdom splits with Rehoboam and Jeroboam and then you have the split kingdoms of Judah and Israel and we covered them all summarization there were no good kings in all of the kingdom of Israel of the split kingdom not one and in the kingdom of Judah there were just a few uh, Israel did as the Lord had warned them not to do. They had went and worshipped other gods, and they had violated all of the commandments. And though they were the seed of Abraham, they lived, acted, worshipped like the children of this world. And the Lord cursed them. You find there is uh, over and over and over and over and over again, the Lord curses the children of Abraham because of their uh, infidelity, of their dishonor, of their unfaithfulness, of their rejection of the one true God. And that's, that's just kind of what happens. But in the midst of that, the Lord sends a prophet and he will use the voice of a prophet to prophesy a restoration, to prophesy a regathering after the children of Israel are, are scattered throughout the world because of their rejection of God, the Lord, uh, Paul says in the New Testament, the Lord divorced Israel. Uh, but the Lord still will have a remnant of the seed of Abraham that will be a part of God's ultimate plan. But because of the rejection the Jews had toward Jesus and ultimately of Jehovah, uh, we as Gentiles were given access. We were grafted into the uh, the lineage of Abraham. And so for all intents and purposes, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, we become the children of Abraham. So it's, I said that just 
to point out the fact that the Lord used prophets to bear witness of the backsliding, to bear witness of the coming exile, the coming scattering of the people. And the Lord used prophets to prophesy a a revival of the covenant, a revival of the hope of Israel that would be manifested in a Messiah king who would bring uh, order and would bring healing and would bring a reconciliation of the people back to God. And so uh, there are a number of prophets that there, and when you do a little study, uh, the prophets that are mentioned uh, in most of your study concerning the Old Testament prophets, uh, it, it speaks to the ones that actually wrote uh, letters to Israel. They, they wrote letters to Israel from God. They were messages. They are sometimes even a type and in an in a, in a allegory. Uh, the things God asked them to do, the, the things God places God asked him to go. And in fact, one instance, the Lord uh, commanded a prophet to marry a harlot. And uh, the story of his life is a parable of how Israel had treated Jehovah God. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's just the poetry, the symmetry, the wisdom, and the um, application of of the things that you find in the books and the lives of the prophets is quite astounding. But I, I think it's important when we think about the Old Testament prophets, we must recognize there are some of the most pivotal, interesting, dynamic prophets did not write letters, but they are written about uh, in in in, uh, in the Bible, in the Kings, etc. Uh, the two particular I have in mind is uh, Elijah and Elisha. Uh, these two prophets, uh, uh, they, they, they went and they ministered, they prophesied, and the Lord did miracles through them in the kingdom of Israel. Now, I, I'm, I believe I have looked at this, but if memory serves me right, Israel, the, the part of the nation, the split kingdom, Israel, uh, the split kingdom between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, that they didn't ha- they did not have one good king, but the prophets were all in Israel. So you had a few kings, good kings in Judah, not many, but in Israel you had none. And most of the prophets uh, that you read in your Bible uh, that they were actually in uh, the land of Israel, the split kingdom. Uh, and it's interesting, Elijah and Elisha, uh, Elijah had seven notable miracles uh, that the Bible records and uh, all kinds of amazing things that the Lord used him to illustrate to a backslidden people, to backslidden kings, that Jehovah God was in fact the God of gods. Uh, one of the most uh, amazing stories is the story of Elijah. When Israel uh, had a king called Ahab, who had a wife named Jezebel, maybe two of the most evil individuals in all of the history of Israel, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel who killed the prophets. Uh, Jezebel 
and uh, had uh, 400 prophets of Baal, these these uh, uh, pagan gods who essentially worshipped and spoke for demons, who were leading and deceiving uh, the kings and the people of Israel. It was in this mix of of confusion and wickedness and evil that the Lord sent the prophets Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah uh, prayed that it would not rain for three years, and it didn't rain. And great drought happened, and uh, Elijah uh, challenged the prophets of Baal, those 400 prophets specifically that that Jezebel took care of, fed, etc., and, and uh, challenged them to meet on Mount Carmel to see who would be God and whoever was God, Israel would serve. So they built an altar and uh, they, they would take turns building an altar, calling upon their God, and whoever answered by fire would be God. And so the prophets of Baal build their altar and they moan, cry, they cut themselves uh, all day. And their God, uh, the prophet mocked them. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's gone on vacation. But in spite of all of the machinations and pleas of these false prophets of Baal, there was no answer by fire. But Elijah built the altar. He dug a trench. He poured water on the altar and filled the trenches with water. And he prayed a simple prayer. And the Lord God, Jehovah, answered that prayer by fire. And he totally consumed the sacrifice. Uh, He consumed the water. And it was dynamic. It was glorious. And all of Israel, including Ahab, they all knew Jehovah God is the God of gods. And, and it's amazing. Uh, the, the transference of Elijah to Elisha. Uh, Elisha was the servant uh, of Elijah. The Lord had spoken to Elisha to follow after Elijah. And uh, Elijah had no interest in the young man. He told him many times, go away. I don't need you. What are you doing? Leave me alone. But Elisha had a word from God. He made himself a servant, made himself necessary to the prophet. And uh, the, the, the prophet Elijah said, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, if you see me when I go up, you will have your request. And in just a little while, this only person in the Bible that the Lord takes this way, Elijah is taken up by 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 horses and chariots into heaven and as he is ascending into heaven his mantle falls down and elisha takes up that mantle and just as elijah going to this place had struck the waters with his mantles and the waters went hither and thither and they walked across on dry ground elijah had the mantle And Elijah struck the waters, and the waters went hither and thither. And uh, behold, the spirit of Elijah, the anointing, the mantle of Elijah had rested upon Elisha. And at the conclusion of his life, in fact, at past his life, the 14th miracle was done when uh, 
a dead soldier was thrown in on top of the bones of Elisha. And that, that, that resident final miracle was activated and that man was brought back to life. <laughs> and if you just want, if you, if you don't know about the Elijah and Elisha, it's, it's worth your time. Just go in your Bible, find and isolate those two prophets and read the stories and think about what are the applications to me and my life, my struggle, my, 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 my opposition, the, the wicked world that we live in, people that, that are the people of God, but they live unto the devil and see, potentially, maybe the Lord could use you to bring revival among your people, among your family, among the people that at one time, or should even now, be faithful to God, but are faithless and serving other gods. Yes. So there's a number of prophets in the Bible that do not have their uh, own book with their name on it, like Jonah. Jonah's a prophet, a reluctant prophet, but he is a prophet nonetheless. And the Lord... Uh, uses him to demonstrate the power of God, the power of God to show mercy, the power of God to reach those that even the people of God have no stomach for. And the Lord spared Nineveh uh, through the ministry of Jonah, even though he had no desire of it. And so you got Jonah, Nahum, Obadiah, Hosea. Hosea, uh, he's the prophet the Lord commanded him to marry a harlot. And you read how uh, he married her and she would go away, go back to whoredom. He would go go find her and bring her back and 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 forgive her and then she'd go back out to whoredoms. And it was a it was an allegory of the people of God and their relationship and covenant with Jehovah God. And uh, you have Amos, Isaiah. Isaiah is a uh, the source of many of the messianic prophecies that we see fulfilled in Jesus Christ. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. <laughs> That's Jesus. Jesus, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, the authority shall be upon his shoulders, and his name, this child, his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of the Mighty God. Jesus is the express image of the person of the Father in creation. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is in him, as Colossians says, in him dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. And Jesus, the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isaiah prophesied this, this messianic coming. Uh, you see Jeremiah in Lamentations. Jeremiah wrote uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. The, the, the book we call Jeremiah also wrote the book of Lamentation. Joel. Joel is a prophet. He is quoted in Acts chapter 2 when Peter is giving voice to explanation of the question, men and brethren, uh, what meaneth this? What is this? Some thought that they were drunk on new wine. Others 
uh, were amazed, and and Peter stood up and says, as it uh, as it was in the words of the prophet Joel, in the last day, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see uh, visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, You see these prophetic utterances that are fulfilled and even connected to. These men lived hundreds of years before, but God spoke through the prophets and in these last days has made it come to pass. Hebrews talks about uh, that there was a promise that was prophesied and was desired. They looked into it. They saw it afar off, and their hope was fulfilled in us in this new covenant. And, And so these Old Testament prophets, Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1 had some glorious, <laughs> glorious visions. He had the, the vision of the water that came from underneath the altar, and it flowed out, and he measured out so far, and it was to his ankles. He measured out so far, much further, it was to his knees. He measured out further, and it was to his waist. He measured out further, and it was waters to swim in, waters you couldn't swim over. And, and in the healing water, it healed everywhere it went. He looked back and there was trees, glorious visions Ezekiel gave us. We, we have so many pictures of the coming kingdom and the glorious of power and the restoration of God. Uh, and, and these things were given to people that were living uh, in, under the curse of sin that had come to them because of their uh, their faithlessness, their faith, uh, their 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 betrayal of the covenant. But in the midst of great uh, backsliding among the people of God and wickedness in the world at large, a prophet would come and stand. Hey. <laughs> I have a vision of the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. I have a vision where everyone along the banks of the river, they're all uh, experience a great harvest of fish. (laughs) The prophets. Uh, last week we talked about the kings and those, the the kings, uh, there's so many bad examples of the kings, but in the prophets, the prophets of Jehovah, uh, there's glory, there's hope, there's expectation, there's vision. There is the foretelling of the coming Messiah. <laughs> it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you, you see imagery in the Old Testament that is replicated in the prophecies in the book of Revelation. Uh, in the book of Daniel, Daniel, who is uh, made a eunuch, he is serving as a servant to the king of Babylon. They have been carried off because of the backsliding of Israel, their, their, their faithlessness to the covenant, their worship of demon gods, sacrificing their children to these demon gods. They have for all intents and purpose cast off Jehovah. And, and Daniel as one of their children, it has been uh, made unable to procreate. He's been made a eunuch. Daniel is in the worst of circumstances, but in the midst of this, what most people would just, you know, want to die, people would live in depression and discouragement. Daniel is a man of an excellent spirit, and in the midst of horrible circumstances, he arises as a man who's favored with with God, 
but he is favored with man. He does not bend. He does not bow. He does not worship. He does not eat the king's meat. He, he, he opens his windows to pray when it's against the law to pray. Uh, uh, Daniel's cast into the lion's den. But in the end, Daniel is favored, becomes one of the most powerful men in Babylon. But most importantly, what lives on today and something that we can still read and consider and, and, and experience the hope of the salvation of Jesus Christ. You see him used by God and you read about these prophetic images that we can still think about. Much of it is an allegory and some of it is hard to be understood. But the end of it, <laughs> the end of it. Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. In the dream, there is this image, a golden image. Uh, the, the head is like gold, and it goes all the way down to the feet are like clay and iron mixed. But there is a rock that is hewn out of the mountain, and the rock comes down and it crushes the image. That, that rock is Christ. And we know, wherever we are in the timeline of history and prophecy, Jesus... <laughs> <laughs> the rock is going to destroy all these worldly systems that are anti-Christ, anti-God, anti-goodness, anti-righteousness. Even the government, the spirit of antichrist, the, the mystery of iniquity that, that doth work today. Uh, in the prophets, they were living in that same antichrist spirit that's happening today. It's been going on since... The Antichrist spirit is manifested in Cain who kills Abel. It's manifested in the Tower of Babel. It's manifested in all of the troubles and difficulties that that, that face the faithful in Christ, faithful in Jehovah. But as you see all the world around melting and 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 forsaking and betraying and 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 blaspheming God, in the midst there are prophets, there are faithful people who had live in hope that there is coming a Messiah. Hmm. Haggai, Zechariah, in the final prophetic book, Malachi. <laughs> wow. Uh, nothing like the prophets. Now, granted, I am summarizing it. And I say it's very important, but I, I'm spending one 35, 40-minute video to summarize the prophets. Well, why am I doing that? Because... You could tell I'm pretty passionate about this. It's incredibly important. But you, you need to read that. You need to walk through, wade through, consider the implications of the prophets. No doubt there's lots of material you can study. But my intent is just to paint a picture that the Lord has seen fit, that there's always been a voice, a prophetic voice, preaching to the world reaching to the lost, seeking to reconcile and bring back those who those uh, that, that the Lord would call and draw to himself. You know, uh, for 400 years after Malachi, there is no open vision. There are no prophetic books. There is history. Things happen. But there is a the, the 400 years of silence, it's called. When you open up your Bible and find the split of the covenants between the old covenant and the new covenant, you, 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 there's 400 years. And the, the first prophet in the New Testament is actually an Old Testament prophet. What do I mean? John the Baptist, it's still the old covenant. John the Baptist is a prophet in an Old Testament sense. 
and he is there as the forerunner to prepare the way for the Messiah. And, and he does. He preaches, and the nation hears his testimony. And his testimony is repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. And, and the Lord uses this Old Testament prophet to prophesy, to prepare the people. And, and in just a little while, just a short, about nine-month ministry, prophetic ministry, he was born, lived his whole life, and when he steps on the scene and begins to preach and baptize the people, he even is used by God to point out the Messiah. Behold the Lamb, which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist is an Old Testament prophet. He is a transitory figure that brings us from the Old Testament and introduces us to the Messiah, to the prophesied salvation of not just Israel, not just Judah, but in fact the whole world is has available to them salvation through Jesus Christ. That, that, that God made flesh that dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist is used by God and it is this introductory individual. And like many of the prophets before him, the people rejected the prophetic voice. The leaders, the kings, uh, those in power reject the prophetic voices of truth. And John the Baptist, like many before him, were martyred before his prophecy, for his preaching. Uh, he loses his head. They cut his head off while he is in prison. And, and while just before he is, his, uh, goes on to meet his reward, if you will, he sends message to Jesus. He's discouraged. You know, I, I, I go from being the most influential person in the world, and, and in the process of me pointing at the Messiah, most of my followers leave me, and now here I am in prison. And he sends word to Jesus, are you really the one, or should we seek another? <laughs> I find solace. We all sometimes struggle with our faith, even though the Lord has made known to us with undeniable confirmation. Jesus really is the one. But sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that are against us, and, and we struggle in our faith. But Jesus said to John, and I believe Jesus says to us, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And oh, Jesus, what, what a man, uh, what a savior, what a God. Jesus, Jesus. And John the Baptist had the unique opportunity, the unique responsibility, the final Old Testament prophet. He baptized Jesus Christ in the river. <laughs> and when he baptized them, they were in the water. I just want you to know baptism isn't sprinkling. It's not pouring a bucket over your head. It is going immersed to be fully immersed in the water. That's what they did in the Bible. We should do it that way too. Jesus said, I have to be baptized. You've got to baptize me so that righteousness is fulfilled. Jesus insisted that he himself would follow and demonstrate the pattern of New Testament salvation. You gotta be baptized. How do I know Jesus was baptized? 
And it wasn't just a public show of an inward work. Look what happened to Jesus when he was baptized. He goes under the water. He comes up out of the water. The Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. Somebody say Holy Ghost. (laughs) And there is an utterance from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see that as a pattern in explicit clarity, exactly what the apostles did after the Great Commission. Everyone they came in contact with, they preached the gospel to, and they commanded them to be immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And there is a spiritual benefit for the forgiveness of your sins. And there was a separate and distinct experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, there is actually a voice from heaven that happens as well. So the prophets, prophets. John the Baptist was an amazing prophet. And that we see through the New Testament lens, and we read the Old Testament, and we read the major prophets and the minor prophets. It's not that one prophet is more significant than another, but the books are thicker. More is written. The major prophets wrote more prophecies. There's more words in their books. The minor prophets, they're just as vital, just not as much text. Yes. So we've started in Genesis, and we have went through the major characters and specificity. And here at the end of the Old Testament, even including John the Baptist, we've, we've covered the prophets. We have covered the prophets. And uh, I think that if you've watched this and you started this with no knowledge of the Scripture, I feel confident that this could be helpful to you. If you know someone that doesn't know anything about the Bible but is hungry and wants to know about the Bible and they look at the Bible and they say, it's just so much to read. How do you understand it? Well, that's the purpose of this is to give you an overview. And over a period of 12 videos, we have reached the end of the Old Testament. And we're going to step into the New Testament and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I hope this is a blessing to you. I, I have personally have felt the witness of the Holy Spirit in my heart, just in the process of shooting this. I'm just in this little bedroom all by myself, but I feel the presence of the Lord while I talk. I really feel like the Lord is and shall use this in the future. A little funny story. Uh, it's Sunday morning. I'm shooting this for Monday, and I had this tie on. And uh, behind me, there is a sheet, a green sheet, a green screen. And I put on that basically whatever kind of graphics I want. And I sat down this morning with my tie on. And I realized it's almost the same color as my green screen. And probably whatever image I have behind me is probably on this. I had to take that off. Yes. So my name is Scott Phillips. I pastor a great group of people uh, at a church we call Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church. We are in Raymond, Mississippi, and uh, it's at 3453 Spring Ridge Road, the corner of Highway 18 and Spring Ridge Road. 
Uh, we're in the county. We're actually not in Raymond proper. We're about a mile from Clinton, four miles from Raymond, two miles from Jackson, five miles from uh, Byron. And uh, the Lord has planted us there. And we have been preaching, teaching, and praying here in this community coming up on 20 years. And and uh, it's a joy to serve the Lord. It's a joy to serve the Lord. <clears throat> so God bless you. Uh, if you have any questions, anything you'd like me to cover in the New Testament, have questions you'd like me to deal with, shoot them to me and I will. Well, God bless you. Have a great week. And uh, I encourage you, if you haven't picked up your Bible and read it, use your drive time. Download a Bible app and 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 start reading. I recommend the book of Genesis. It gives you so much. I recommend uh, uh, reading uh, up, up to, you know, Judges, 1st, 2nd Samuel. Uh, I encourage you to read the whole thing in the end. But, you know, next week we're going to, we're going to, I'm not sure how, how we're going to tackle the New Testament. But it is our desire to be a blessing. I pray you're blessed. I hope that if you're not going to church faithfully, that you start going to church faithfully. And I would like to invite you either to worship with me or find a congregation, find a teacher that is not married to denomination, not married to denominational tradition, not com uh, committed to post-biblical information, but is fully and totally committed to the Word of God, to the exclusion of all the other personalities and all the other books that in many cases absolutely contradict the simplicity of the gospel. Finds you a church that teaches, preaches the truth, even though it is contradictory and stands in contrast to what has become acceptable Christianity. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great, great week.